Today we are interviewing Dr. Mark Hyman. He is a retired private practice general dentist of 32 years, a widely known speaker in the dental community, and a member of the faculty at the UNC Adams School of Dentistry. You are listening to The Smart Dental Student, your source for information regarding dental school and your professional journey with your hosts, Matt Manley and Landon Guy. So we have um, Dr. Mark Hyman with us today. And um, one of our big questions, we've heard Dr. Hyman speak to our class multiple times. um, And one of the things that uh, Landon and I felt like was kind of a, a big question for us is, what got you interested in dentistry as young Mark Hyman? What, what kind of drew you to the to the profession? Got you, Dr. Matt, Dr. Landon. Appreciate you having me. It's just amusing me. This is called the Smart Dentist <laughs> Podcast because I would not qualify for that as a dental student. For me, I was a Boy Scout, which people find hard to believe. I was an Eagle Boy Scout. And during the health section, I thought that was kind of interesting. And my best friend's dad was a physician and was a real jerk and was always yelling at us. And our scoutmaster was a dentist who drove a red Corvette and he had a beautiful wife and gorgeous kids and just was this hip, cool cat. He was a Navy SEAL by training. And it was just like, wow, that guy's kind of cool. And then I got my wisdom teeth pulled and my dentist's last name was Hyman. So it was Dr. Hyman from Chapel Hill. It's the first time I had laughing gas, so I'm lying there stoned out of my mind looking around. And there's Dr. Hyman from Chapel Hill. And I'm like, I could be Dr. Hyman from Chapel Hill. What a stupid way to pick a profession. But I started shadowing at dental offices, and the men and women that I saw in dentistry seemed really cool. And they were doing neat stuff, and there were all these cool instruments, and everybody was running around and laughing and high-fiving. And very few patients died while they were working on them. So I just said, this may be something to this profession. So I got very, very lucky I, as a dental as an undergraduate pre-dental student at UNC Chapel Hill, I had two jobs. I was a dental assistant at the Craniofacial Center, which at the time was Oral Facial Communicative Disorders, under Professor Ron Strauss, who became my hero and role model and mentor. And I watched Dr. Strauss's kindness working with the cleft lip and palate patients and saw how team care made such an impact on these folks. And also worked at the hospital dental clinic where I got to work on hemophiliacs, cancer patients, HIV patients, psychiatric patients. And it just was really a stunning awakening for me. So I got lucky. I got into dental school at UNC Chapel Hill. I was our class president, probably the worst first semester dental student in the history of UNC, which Dr. Guy said, not after my brother. But we're good. <laughs> and I was miserable. And I to the point that I quit dental school for about 12 hours, I just said, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. This is a nightmare. And I ran into Dr. Ron Strauss in the hall at UNC, and he said, Mark, it's okay. Being a dental student is nothing like being a dentist. Give it another couple hours. Give it a day. See how you do. I had a decent morning. Went back to the dean, tell him I wasn't going to quit. He acted disappointed. He rest in pieces. And I got started in clinic that summer and caught fire, and I finished dental school in three and a half years. They don't let you do that anymore because we want that last tuition payment. And so I had six months to kill before I did a two-year oral medicine hospital dental residency. So I joined American Dental Volunteers for Israel and grew a beard and grew my hair long and had a blast. I worked for four months in the Holy Land and ate a lot of funky foods and played basketball with the soldiers every afternoon. And my last week there, I met my wife. 
Wow. So if we make it to February, that we're that'll be 38 years. Oh, congratulations. So I'm very, very grateful. I love dentistry, guys, and I so appreciate you all doing this. I think dentistry is the greatest profession in the world. Again, you get to take profound care of men and women and make a difference in their life. And very few of them die when you're working on them. It's mm. just, uh, it's the greatest. And there's storm clouds over the profession. That's for sure. That's nothing new. I was specifically told in 1979, don't go into dentistry because the insurance companies and the government are about to ruin it. Which is right, right? Mm-hmm. Except 42 years later, here, here we, we are. are. And we say, don't go into dentistry because the insurance companies are going to ruin it. And the DSOs and the government's getting involved. You know, there's an unlimited opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And to me, there's always going to be a demand for people that are doing distinctive mm-hmm. relationship-based dentistry. Mm-hmm. Dentistry where you sit down and get to know your patient and you go through what is known around UNC as Dr. Mark's 10 questions, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of a checklist where it's really complicated. You sit down with another human being instead of saying, do you have insurance or you need a crown because I said so. Mm -hmm. You say, how can I help you? Tell me more. Who can I thank for referring you? What are your goals Mm -hmm. for your health, teeth and smile? What did your last dentist tell you? Do you have a budget in mind? Who's a decision maker in the family? What success look like? You just go through these questions. My premise to my students at UNC, if I can teach you to outlisten the competition, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun. I feel blessed, guys. That's so, again, appreciate that you're having me here. Um, this, again, uh, UNC Adams School of Dentistry is just a gift for me to be here at this time in my career. I had 32 years in private mm-hmm. practice, which I adored. And I probably did 90 years of dentistry in 32 mm-hmm. years. And then my body just kind of broke down. My L4, L5 is blown out. I've got Mm. severe arthritis and tennis elbow and carpal tunnel. I got good hair, but that's... um, (laughs) And so I had the privilege of being at the dental school here at UNC. This is my fifth year here. And uh, my students are brilliant and curious and caring and servant-spirited, open-minded. And the faculty, my fellow faculty members here are just joyful. There's what I like to say about UNC. There's no hostages here. Nobody's here because mm-hmm. this was their second choice. So the faculty here could teach anywhere. And most of our students could have gotten in and gone in somewhere else. So there's no hostages at UNC. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be here. It's just been a real joy. What um, you mentioned, you know, having those years in private practice and then kind of coming into, I guess, would you consider it academic Dentistry, or uh, Dr. Uh, Guy doesn't think so when he hears me lecture, but that's, <laughs> I, I am a adjunct full professor here at the mm-hmm. school and a special assistant to the office of the dean. Why mm-hmm. do that as opposed to just going out and sailing around on a yacht somewhere or just mm-hmm. sitting at home watching TV? Like, yeah, why be here? Dr. Matt, a good question. I'm not finished making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And I feel so grateful that I had the privilege of getting a UNC degree. Actually, I'm a quadruple Tar Heel, undergrad, dental school, residency. Now I teach. And I don't take that for granted. There's, what, 60, 70-some dental schools. Mm-hmm. And each of them has their place and their mission and their vision and purpose. And here at UNC, we have a very modest goal to be the global leader. So that's a pretty audacious thing to be. I spent my career going against the status quo and going against the matting crowd that would say, you can't do like that here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You can't have a comprehensive optimal care practice. I was the first CAD CAM user in Greensboro. I was the second person in North Carolina that had CERAC. In 1991, I was started to use an intro cameras. 20 years ago, I started using isolites. I was the first person in town to use buffering of the local anesthesia. So part of 
for me, it was a constant reinvention to say, how can mm-hmm. I take something great and make it better? How can I take something that's heavy in relationships and take that to a whole nother level? When I left private practice, I had 1,200 five-star reviews, and that wasn't by accident. You can't pay for that. But I trained the teams. Here's what we do from every phone call, every letter that you mail out, every email, every text, every touch with the patient. It's got to be five-star. We don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that. I like the contrarian nature of people saying, well, that just won't work here. You can't do it. And I'm like, you're right. You can't, mm-hmm. but I can. Mm-hmm. And we did. Um, I had an unbelievable team that I got to work for. And that's the way I consider it. It's not that they were my employees is that you know, I was captain of the team, but I worked for them. These women gave me such love and loyalty. My lead receptionist, Ms. Mary Catherine Ward was only with me 25 years. My lead dental assistant, Athena Escovedo Calloway was my 19 year CDA superstar. Wow. Three of my hygienists were with me 15 years. Another one, 14 years out of a 32 year career. It's just unbelievable. And so when you have that level of love and loyalty and they know they're well-trained and they know the systems and patients come in again and again and they see the same smiling faces and people can look at Dr. Guy and say, didn't your baby brother apply to dental school? You know, these Mm -hmm. little touches make all the difference. Mm -hmm. How many times have you been to a physician, a CPA, an attorney, and you're just a piece of meat? A lot. Think about the first time you walk into a physician's office. What do they say? Do you have insurance? Where's your card? Sit down, shut mm-hmm. up, fill out this form. Where I would walk out into the reception room to a new patient and say, Hey, Dr. Guy, I'm Mark. Welcome home. I'll take good care of you, bud. It sounds nuts. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you want 1,200 five star reviews and the level of success we had. So. I feel like what you said about listening, that that portion right there is probably the most important. I, I remember when I was a project manager working for a company, um, a lot of the clients would come back to our, our department or our group and be like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm being listened to or I don't feel like people are understanding my, my problem. Um, and I felt like when I was able to sit down with the, the client and understand or listen to them and then relay that back to my team to be like, Hey, this is, this is actually the problem they're having. Can we fix this? Can we resolve this for them? Um, I feel like we live in a society now that we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. Yeah. And I feel like that's the big distinguisher. And it sounded like with your career, Dr. Hyman, that that was the major key was you were trying to understand the person and give care based on understanding the person and showing care and love for the person rather than just seeing them as a means to an end. I'm the professional. Sit down, shut up. Let me do my work. (laughs) You know, the beauty of dentistry is you can practice any way you choose. And what I would offer to a young dental person, a prospective dental student is what are your goals? What are your hopes and dreams? Do you want to be a provider of a commodity based on the limits of insurance or a doctor in a relationship with your patients, helping them achieve their goal for their health, teeth and smile? There's not a right or wrong answer, and I don't poo-poo men and women who choose the commodity route. I can't tell you how many dentists said to me, well, you have to file for a pre-denial for all grounds. Mm-hmm. The dreaded pre-authorization, I call them pre-denials. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> Evidently, no one else did, so that's good. <laughs> Anybody ever die in public? It's really cool. <laughs> you know, I just said, I'm not playing that game. You, can't, I didn't tackle you mm-hmm. in Walmart. You walked into my dental office. Yeah. You want my expertise? Mm-hmm. I'm honored to give it to you. 
and I try, I try to help teach my students at UNC how to answer questions with questions instead of responding. Landon, what you pointed out, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. Habit Five, Change My Life, Seek First to Understand, Then to Be Understood. I studied that, I took a Covey course in 1989, and it changed my life. So young doctors on the podcast here, part of the action step for you, if you read some great material, if you go to a mm-hmm. great course, do you keep it to yourself? Do you bring it back to the office? So we were a learning, growing organization. One of the fundamental features of our office is we read books as an office every several months. I'd buy a dozen copies and hand out Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Who Moved My Cheese, Raving Fans, Millionaire Next Door, Good to Great by Collins, Creating a Healthy Work Environment, Dr. Kathy Jameson, Start With Why, Simon Sinek. You know, it, it just it, it's fundamental to me it's just not good enough to say we're just here eight to five. Mm-hmm. We're just here to do what the insurance company allows us. No, we were here in a relationship. I know we're from the South and it's less of a stretch, but I had at least five, four generation families in my practice Wow, where you got to see great grandma and grandma and parent and child. It just was very dear to me when you'd walk in a grocery store and somebody would go, Hey, there's Dr. Mark. And so Again, it gets back to people's objection, objectives and their goals career-wise. Mm-hmm. And if you say to me, I want a job that's eight to five and I can make a lot of money, I'm respectful of however people choose to practice. Mm-hmm. But man, is there another side that when you are in a relationship with people, essentially you're working with friends, not strangers. They come on time. They pay their bill. They give you five-star reviews. And what what a joy. I just felt like I would go to room to room talking smack to people and hugging people and high five and talking junk to the dookies and you know, it was a great great career. And uh, I miss that part. But so back again to your question, what am I doing here at the dental school? I hope my students feel like I'm treating them like I did my patients, where I try to give them more than they expected. I try to model for them. We were talking before we started recording, I believe. How do I do a typical lecture? Mm-hmm. I don't show up five mm-hmm. minutes after lecture time. I get there at least 30 minutes early, if not more, to set up, check the room, check the temperature, try to have snacks for my students. I have some music playing. Usually I'll stand at the front of the room and high five or fist bump people as they come in. Mm-hmm. What am I trying to model there? This, it's a relationship. You know, and it's I don't stand behind the podium and read my PowerPoint slides word for word. I'm <laughs> out there stomping around and doing my thing. I hope you guys felt that way. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like, um, one of the, one of the, I've, I've got like a running list of things that professors or peep speakers do that I, I want to model after. And, um, one of the things that you called out was being on time. And it's like, if, if you don't respect your audience's time, then, and I get it, you know, if there's like an emergency or something like that. But if, if you don't respect your listener's time, then it just kind of shows me that you, you really don't care to be there. Um, and, you know, being on time, being I had one professor who would always dress up, you know, they could wear jeans and whatever at this one school that I was at. But he would always always kind of dress up. And I'd a- I asked him, I was like, why do you dress up? you know, to come lecture when you can just wear jeans and whatever. And he said, uh, because I want to be lectured. 
I want to lecture to others the way I would want someone to lecture to me. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to present myself in a way that's, that I would want someone presenting themselves to me. Um, and I, that always kind of stuck with me. Again, it's the beauty of dentistry is you got the choice. Every new patient in our office, every emergency patient, we would sit in our consultation room and talk. I've showed you guys that before. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say to me, Dr. Mark, you could make this another operatory. I'm like, you mama. <laughs> it's the most productive room, a profitable room in my practice, and we don't do any dentistry, except I sat down with every new patient, every emergency patient, and we had relationship time. My exit question often was, have you ever had a dentist start a visit like this? Mm. And essentially, 100% of the time, patients would say, I never had a doctor sit down and talk to me. So basically, the patient said yes to Dr. Mark and team, and I haven't even examined them yet. So as businessmen, how would you guys like to work in a system that's essentially 100% successful? That's called sub-time. That's That's a great time to be Essentially, everybody's saying yes, yeah. And when a patient said no, it wasn't no to me. It was not yet. Because... I didn't come in saying you need anything. I think need is a punitive four-letter word. Dr. Landon, I've taught you what's a better four-letter word. Not that one. (laughs) Want. What do you want? Mm -hmm. It's your body. Like I said, Mm -hmm. you didn't tackle them at Walmart. They walked into your dental office. Mm -hmm. Aren't they showing some buying signal Mm -hmm. of some Mm -hmm. level of healthcare? So you may as well give them the courtesy of sitting down and say how healthy you want to be, how soon you want to get there. Mm -hmm. So... I, I appreciate the difficulty in running private practice. I appreciate the difficulty in dentistry today. We've got the specter of PPOs and HMOs and dental service organizations, and now the potential privilege of joining Medicare and being paid 10 cents on a dollar. Mm-hmm. And it just won't work. And to, um, to bounce off of the, you mentioning difficulties, for you running a private practice for 32 years, what would you say was the most difficult thing you encountered in, in those 32 years? Dr. Guys, one of the easiest questions ever, the single signature thing is always the team. Because generally the men and women in dentistry have not been in business before. you got a group of scientists and engineers who've studied organic chemistry, physics, calculus, calculus anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and now you make them CEO, CFO, personnel director with no experience. So that was the most challenging thing for me is I bought a business having never been in business, having never hired and fired. And part of the thrills and chills of the first years, I made every mistake in the world. The receptionist that I bought the practice from was a former doctor's wife's best friend. She quit six weeks after I started and I fired the chain smoking hygienist, had one employee left. Don't you love it when that happens? No clue. I, I just remembered this recently. I started my private practice July 1st, 1986. I put $2,500 in my office checking account. By the end of the first week, that was down to 80 bucks. Oh, <laughs> it took me less than a week to bankrupt this place. And then we did fine, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone's going to do fine. If you follow the fundamental principles, if you have sound, exceptional clinical training, and you commit to constant never-ending improvement, so Dr. Mark left Chapel Hill December 1983. That was it for my education, right? No, I went to Israel for four months, did a two-year world medicine hospital dental residency, joined the Academy of General Dentistry. I got my fellowship award, which is 600 hours of mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. plus passing a six-hour exam. 500 more hours, you get your mastership award. So I think, I don't know who else on faculty here has their MAGD. 
I think we have a handful here at UNC. In Greensboro, there was one yeah. other dentist out of 200 that had their MAGD. So that was my goal, is not to say this dental school stuff is enough, but I need to constantly improve. So I'm going to set a continuing education goal of 100 hours a year. You can say to me, Dr. Mark, where do I get the money? You borrow it if you have to, because mm-hmm. what you've got, we give you everything we can. You drink out of a fire hose for four years and three summers here at UNC, mm-hmm. and you realize you know nothing, mm-hmm. and it's okay. You got a, you, you know the language. You got a fundamental grilling. Then it's up to you to continue your education. You are your own asset. Comment your, point, your yeah. own asset. I love that. It's mm-hmm. so true. So I practiced 1986 to 1990. I probably did more single tooth dentistry than anyone in the state of North Carolina. And I was burning out and I wasn't making a difference in people's lives. And then I had several moments where the Lord smiled upon me. And my my colleague in Greensboro, Dr. Reed Clark, rest in peace, he asked, do I want to go to the Panky Institute with him in Key Biscayne, Florida? And so every January for six years, I went to it for a week down to Key Biscayne to study at Panky, and it transformed my life. Hmm. So there's wonderful institutes in dentistry. There's the Panky Institute. There's Spear Education in Arizona, Dawson Academy in Florida, John Coyce's Institute. There's wonderful men and women. If you hate dental school, you'll love going to these postgraduate hmm. institutions. It's a wonderful group of men and women trying to push you further hmm. forward. Um, and I have a question as it pertains to that as well. I know in conversations with my dentist, he's felt this way, but I was interested if you feel this way as well. Um, would you say that that continuing education opportunities spurred that innovative nature within you to get things like CAD cam, intraoral cameras? Did you, did you become familiar with those through your continuing education? A great question, Dr. Lannon. Three magic words that I love is success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. So you go down to the Panky Institute. The first thing you do is go around the room and say who you are, where you're from, where you're trained. What's cool for my Tar Heel Warriors here is when you go around the room, where'd you go to school in Florida? Cool. Where'd you go in Texas? Cool. Where'd you go? UNC. The whole room goes, wow. I applied there. I didn't get an interview. I got an interview. I didn't get in. I'm on the admissions committee here at UNC. Gifts are not accepted, but just thought I'd throw that out there. (laughs) This year, we already have over 2,000 initial applicants for 75 spots. So we have the challenge and the privilege of teaching, coaching, mentoring, the magnificent men and women. But then you just got, that's your education starts when you get out of school. So for me to go to Panky, the classes themselves were unbelievable. But then at night you'd go to dinner with your classmates or you'd hang out in the condominiums and say, how'd you hire? How'd you fire? What books did you read? What coaches did you use? What courses do you go to? Here's a case. Here's a model. Here's radiographs. Here's imaging. What the heck do I do? So it was amazing. You, and you started ingraining yourself in a positive community. So I had joined several study clubs in Greensboro, a couple of them. There were some fine men and women in one of the club in particular and the other half of the club. You'll forgive me. It's a bunch of poopy sandwich people that just complain and you can't get a hygienist. Mm-hmm. Patients won't say yes. This is wrong. Dentistry sucks. I'm like, man, that just wasn't my experience. We had tough times. But I didn't practice that type of dentistry, and I didn't hang around with people that brought me down. So do remember that success leaves clues. What are other successful men and women in dentistry doing? Another thing I did in Greensboro is I, my first year of private practice, I invited myself out to lunch with all the older mm-hmm. dentists in town. Mm-hmm. Basically, I called them up and said, hey, I'm Mark Hyman, new to town. Can we grab lunch? Matt, Dr. Matt, does that sound cool? It sounds great. Because they usually paid for my lunch because I had no money. <laughs> and 
not say, how do you hire? How do you fire? What books did you read? What courses do you go mm-hmm. to? And kind of interviewed him like we're doing to you right I now. Did. <laughs> for me. Most of us, my pop, God bless him. My pop was one of my heroes. He passed away seven years ago at 90 years old. He was healthy till 88. And then he had a rough road to the end. But Pop, when he would see I was doing seminars or talking to students, he said, why are you training your competition, son? I'm like, Pop, they're not my competition. My competition is trips to Disney World and 90-inch TVs. It's the new Tesla. I'm not mm-hmm. competing with other dentists. Half, what, half the population doesn't even go to the dentist every year? Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you have a choice as a young practitioner it is hard for me to find many physicians that are happy these days. Mm-hmm. And what a tragedy. Some of my dear, dear friends are physicians. And these men and women are so bright and do such important work. And But they're not doctors in a relationship with their patients. They're providers of a commodity answering to an investor, answering to a big hospital chain. And that is the reality. In dentistry, there's going to be a segment of it that goes in that direction. We just don't have to play that mm-hmm. game. You mm-hmm. cannot tell me that nationwide dentistry has to become McDonald's hamburgers. Mm-hmm. There's still an opportunity. If a couple times a year you're going for a fine meal, are you going to go to Ruth's, Chris, Fleming's, Morton Steakhouse, or are you going to do drive through McDonald's? Mm-hmm. Dr. Guy said, drive through sounded pretty good right now. <laughs> On our budget, <laughs> On anyway. Our budget at least, I got yeah. it. I got it. Are you <laughs> buying? Yeah, I'm buying. <laughs> we'll go to Stony River after this. Then. Bring it on, baby. <laughs> you know, life's just full of choices. So mm-hmm. for me, I know we're ADDing here, and that's all mm-hmm. good. I love being around the UNC Adams School of Dentistry students because it's a bunch of brilliant young men and women who have caring servant spirits and are curious. There are some who aren't interested in what I'm teaching, and that's fine. But there's a huge group that says, how's, how's this going to work? Mm. How am I going to deal mm-hmm. with my debt? I remember hearing a speaker two years ago at UNC talking to my students saying, I'm going to show you how to get out of debt in 11 and a half years. And I said, I'm going to show you in 24 months. Who would you rather listen to? Oh, yeah, 24 months. So, you know, most docs are going to work 200 days a year. Would you agree? Roughly? Mm -hmm. Easily. So I guarantee I can find every office at least a $500 increase a day in inefficiencies and systems Mm -hmm. that aren't correct. You add $500 a day times 200, Dr. Guy, that equals it's $100,000 change. Mm Times two years, is that about take put a dent in your dental school debt? Yes, just about. So when mm-hmm. I say that to my students, they're like, tell me more about that. Yeah. I, I want to know that. I'm mm-hmm. digging this. And that's where I say you got to come to UNC or go to one of my seminars mm-hmm. or listen to this podcast. You have been listening to The Smart Dental Student. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this recording are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the organizations that the individuals are affiliated with. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Smart Dental Student or visit our website for more information at smartdentalstudent.com.